If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of California Underground. I have with me Native Angelino, Los Angeles resident, uh, Natalie, who I was like, this debate came up and I said, there's only one person I think who would really be able to weigh in on this because she's going through it right now. So I said, Natalie, would you like to come on and review this debate? I mean, it's a long debate, so we're only going to get to like four subjects out of all of it. But how are you doing today, Natalie? Good. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a long debate. Um, mm-hmm. It's about an hour and a half. I sat through all of it so we could save you the nonsense and just kind of uh, filter it out for you guys and, and what's the most important. Um, so we're going to hop onto a couple of different subjects, kind of comment on them. And that's basically it. And uh, I will say this, they're all Democrats. So people who are tuning in, there is not one Republican on the stage. It's all Democrats. However, I'll give you my thoughts on how, why they sound so different. It seems like they're kind of like jockeying for like the middle position, but we can talk about that uh, a little bit. Carissa's a new Democrat, right? Or a, a newcomer. He's a, the he's party a newly officially. minted Democrat. Yes. Yeah, he was uh, independent, or he was Republican. Then he went independent, and now he's officially a Democrat. So we'll see. Maybe he's he's a Dino, like I like to call him, like a Democrat in name only, and we'll see that if that's a path that you can run and win. Um, mm-hmm. First comment right out of the box, though. I don't know why looking at these two. Uh, moderators right now. I, it feels like I'm starting. It's like an SNL skit right off the top. Does that feel like? Well, I Erica Smith is responsible for the blackface of white supremacy, so we do have to. <laughs> She's the one who wrote that article on uh, okay. uh, Elder. So yes, I appreciate Got her it. for that. Okay, her life is like an SNL skit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it was like the the. The lighting looks like it, it's like an SNL skit right yes. off the bat. And mm-hmm. I don't know. And the lone woman in the like mask back there. I like that people weren't masked. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Just the one. Yeah, she's got a brand new blue mask on. She's kind of <laughs> like, I can't believe the rest of you aren't wearing masks right now. <laughs> Probably. So, all right. First topic up. Let's jump right into it. Uh, they talk about homeless. So I'll hit play, and whenever you want me to pause, just let me know. Okay. We'll go from there. Yeah. Thick, tangible thing that you can actually accomplish as L.A. mayor when it comes to homelessness. How much is it going to cost? And you have to raise taxes to pay for it. First of all, thank you for the opportunity to be here with you today. The homeless crisis, we have 40,000 people on our streets. I would declare a state of emergency on day one locally, but we also need the state and the federal government involved. I want to build 15 or house 15,000 people by the end of the first year, and that's 15,000 above the ones that will be housed that are are part already. Um, And we can use a lot of existing money because there is money from the state, there's money from the federal government. We need to expedite the process. We need to have everything expedited. If you are going to build affordable housing on day one, I would appoint a chief. That person would report directly to me. 
I would access the resources that I have within the federal government and the state government. That housing chief would bring together all of the department heads and we would make sure that this is the number one problem because it is a public health. And she would know about federal because she's the, the if you're not watching, the person speaking is Karen Bass, who is the uh, also the lone female on stage. Uh, she is a congresswoman right now from California. So she would know a lot about where all the federal money is going in, in terms of where that's all coming from. And overall, I, I was about to say pause, but she I appreciate she's really the only the only one. And I went on their websites, too, who kind of even mentions how we would pay for this. Uh, I still don't totally trust it, but no one else really specifies are we raising taxes or where's the money come? But in general, and I know debates are limited on time and all that, but she, I, in my opinion, she really misses the mark on how complex of an issue homelessness is, especially in LA. Um, she seems to think that it's just a bunch of people who can't afford rent and let's just build them some beds and units and the problem solved. And she has more opportunities throughout. I don't know how long we'll get into it, but, and she really never addresses any other sides of the issue. And I think that's a huge problem. And a public safety emergency. And up until now, it has not been addressed like that. Council Member DeLeon, uh, one specific tangible thing you can actually accomplish as LA mayor. Let me say this, that I'm the youngest child of a single immigrant mother with a third grade education. My mother worked her fingers to the bone, spending the vast majority of her life taking care of the very wealthy. Now, I know what housing insecurity feels like because in my early 20s, I was homeless. Anyone on this stage can make big, bold pronouncements on the issue of homelessness, but there's one major difference. And that difference is that I'm already doing something about it. I built more housing opportunities in Los Angeles for our unhoused neighbors in the past year. I built the largest tiny home village. I just want to point out that I think he also went to the same uh, school of public speaking that uh, Gavin Newsom, Obama... Finger. He likes the finger thing. <laughs> so that always out to me when I see politicians doing this finger thing. I'm like, oh, they all went to the same exact school or they're just all copying each other. <laughs> and I live right by his tiny village. I didn't know that. I I live in Highland Park. That That's where it is. Really? I had no idea. I still don't know where it is, to, to be honest. I looked into it a little. Um, but yeah. And the tiny village is like, so explain that it's, it's like these tiny little, they're, they're kind of like just big porta potties. Like they're just like, you can fit a bed and you can fit like a little bit of running water. Right. I think so. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, from what I could, could tell, uh, and I, I still have not seen it in person, so I don't really know where it is or how big this, this village is, but it's in my neighborhood. Apparently, um, there's still a lot of homeless people though. I will say that. Maybe it's so tiny you can't even find it. That's why you can't find it. <laughs> Maybe so, yes. In the United States of America, and I've brought over $700 million in my no place like home to the city of Los Angeles. The bottom line is this, is we can build football stadiums and basketball arenas. We as sure as can help can build housing for unhoused neighbors. I'm not a talker. I'm a doer on this issue. I'm about action on this issue. And I know that the, together, LA can come together so we can provide the roofs over the head. Listen. We got $12 billion surplus, about $2 billion are coming to L.A. We got no place like home, my money, which is $700 million from the federal government to get down to the city of L.A. because this is the epicenter of home nationwide. Russo, um, one tangible thing as mayor you can actually do. 
Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. The tangible thing we can do is in my plan. And if you go to carusocan.com, it's very well detailed. And we have it posted because it's a very comprehensive plan and concrete. Pause real quick. I will say his website is very detailed. If anyone wants to look further, his is the most detailed. And I disagree with him on a lot, but I appreciate that. So he's not wrong about that. Because debates only cover so much, obviously. And this is the and this is the guy that um yeah, I mean we talked about at the beginning, he flipped from Republican all the way over to Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um he's the big money guy, he's the big land owner. he has luxury apartments and he owns the Grove, I guess. He gets compared to Trump, but I'm pretty sure he banned Trump from the Grove. So because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure Trump is really yeah. upset about that. Itching to go to the Grove. To the yeah. Grove. Yeah, I'm sure Trump wants to walk around the Grove and you know, <laughs> go shopping for, at the Skechers store or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, he's the guy that um, I think they're all, I don't know if they're worried about because he's the outsider or because he has the most money, but it seems like there's a lot of people who attacked him specifically mm-hmm. in this debate. It, a lot of people went after him. Uh, and he I got more airtime because of that, you know, so because you get to respond for 30 seconds when yeah. anyone attacks you. So he kind of stole the show, but. A little bit. And he had some good quips. I thought he was pretty quick on his feet. So um, he's pretty he was pretty funny. Uh, but we'll keep going. First year, 44,000 people are living on the streets. They're living in their own waste. It's a terrible situation that we have. We have 14,000 beds already in the city, so that would get everybody a clean, dry bed. Of course, we got to triage and get into a lot of other details. But let me just say this. My grandparents showed up on these shores without any money and without knowing the language. What they did have was something much more important. They had the American dream. They moved to Boyle Heights, and this city, they felt, gave them the opportunity to realize that dream. When you have homelessness, when you have crime, and when you have corruption, you're dampening those dreams. And that's what's happening to the city. That's why I'm in the race, because my interest is to do what's best for the residents of Los Angeles. Council member Buscainu. Thank you. Pacific 10. Yeah, thank you also for having me. And it's great to see Rick Caruso here finally for joining us, Rick. Listen, let's let. So the comment, I guess, is that he didn't appear at the last couple debates. It's like the first one he's appeared at. Yeah. Um, and I guess this and is they the go first back one and they... Forth. What's that? I, I think that they go back and forth, Buscay, you know, and Caruso. Yes. I, mean, it's, I yes. think there's an Italian feud going on there or something. <laughs> I think this is the first debate also they were able to have without being like shut down by protesters or something. So that's good, I guess. Um, but Buscay, you know, I... People are protesting the mayoral race? <laughs> well, I, a lot of homelessness activists um are against all of them even de leon uh, apparently they uh these people in la Mm. i lived right by echo park when they cleaned up echo park this time last year um and there were activists out there uh complaining about it so there's citizens who just get upset when anyone cleans anything up because there's everything has to be a win-win there's never like the best option it's always has to be a win-win where everybody walks away happy Let's be honest, what we've done in my district, I plan on doing with the rest of the city. I've saw 40% of the homeless are now housed in my district. And the tangible thing that I can do as mayor is activate the emergency response center because we have 
an emergency crisis. We're going to be dealing with uh, this crisis 24-7 instead of 9 to 5. And at the same time, we are going to build enough interim beds. My plan is to give the city council within the first 60 days a plan of 9,000 immediate shelter beds and at the same time move on a no camping law citywide. We have to have both. But let's stop talking about the issue of housing. Okay. It's irresponsible to say homeless issue is only about housing. We have a drug addiction epidemic, dangerous meth. People are not in the right mind frame to say yes to help. And let's focus on a public health and public safety issue facing our streets today, and that's drug addiction and yeah, mental health. Thank you, and we'll talk more about that throughout the night as I well. Was, uh, I think I was attacked. Uh, well. <laughs> so it, felt like, okay. it, it felt like an attack. The light one. Uh, well, well, it might have been a light a, one. That was a light attack. But, a but I guess first it's, attack it's of the night is if you if you want to go there uh, oh, is welcome. you know that you haven't been to some of these other forums or debates that have been that have been happening and you're we appreciate that you're here now. What what is your response to that? Well, listen, Joe, I, I appreciate the efforts you've been taking on the city council, but the reality is, and I'm sorry, I don't have notes. I didn't realize we were able to bring notes here. But the fact is, since you've been a city councilman, there's 700 more people on the streets in your district alone. So I don't know how you quantify success when the problem has gotten worse under your leadership. So let's just focus on the issues instead of attacking. You got crime problems that we have to deal with. You have corruption in City Hall and we got homeless problems. I think that's what the people of Los Angeles want to hear us talk about. You will not All find right. one dangerous large encampment right. in we're my gonna, district today. Okay, we're going to yes. go to City Attorney Mike Fuhr. One ten I thought uh, that was a, I, I don't know if he actually didn't know you could not bring vote or bring notes to that, or if that was just the thing he said, but I thought that was a good response. I think he, he kind of already went in and said, like, I don't, people want to be attacking it. They want, people in Los Angeles want solutions and you're already attacking, so. I don't know where Buscaino is coming off from. No, he's I I he's the one I agreed with most overall in the things he said, even though I'm not thrilled with any of them. But he's very unlikable. He's I don't think he has a chance. There's nothing about him that's appealing. Uh, is that Buscaino or Caruso? Uh, Buscaino. Oh, okay. I think he okay. has good things to say, little... kind of, but yeah, don't like him. He comes off very uh he's like a robot he's very yeah. like i don't know he seems very like da, 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 and he's like very i don't know he doesn't come off as personable at all he no. had good answers mm -hmm. you're, you're right and a lot of people respect that he was a former lapd officer mm -hmm. uh but he does come off a little stiff and, and almost too political in this yeah. Tangible thing that can actually be accomplished as mayor of Los Angeles on homelessness. Alex, thank you so much. And I also want to thank your mother for the brownies, everybody. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> right. My mom made you should be happy. Thank you very much. Right. Very good. Like winning points so, with me already. Yes, very good. So I wrote a piece four years ago for the LA Times that said if we had a natural disaster, we would have a FEMA field general here on the ground in charge of recovery. I wrote we have the equivalent of that disaster as homelessness, and there's no one in charge. My first day, that changes, reporting directly to me. Now, my, my opponents have borrowed from that. Let's go deeper. What does it mean to have an emergency response like as though it were an earthquake? Well, it means having pop-up locations around Los Angeles where we have multiple services available, no more shopping around the whole city for a, a person experiencing homelessness. And I've done this as city attorney. That's the thing about this race. Experience counts. 
other things. I want to change our street engagement strategies. We should be saying to people experiencing homelessness, the streets are dangerous for you. There's no place for you to live. We have a place for you, but there's going to be a choice date after which you can't stay here because our public spaces need yeah. to be safe and accessible for everyone. Okay. Thank you very much, Mr. City Attorney. Erica, to you. Yes, actually, I'm going to stick with the issue of homelessness. I know it's a big surprise to everyone, but um, so all of you on the campaign trail have talked about encampments and the need to get people off the streets and into housing and into shelter. But as we've seen, particularly with some of the more recent cleanups, not everybody is ready to go. So in those instances, do you support, what would you do? And I'm going to start with you, Mr. Cruz, though, sure. because I believe in an interview with my colleague, Alex, you mentioned that you'd be willing to use police officers to, to clear encampments. Can you talk a little bit about Uh-oh. Using police officers. I think Crusoe and Buscaino are the only ones who are willing to go there and like understand the need for it. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what the rest of them are saying. You're just going to go around and let them know the streets are dangerous for them. That is not, I, I, it's like they don't live in LA. <laughs> I don't know where they live. No, I, yeah, I think they're trying to do the like warm and fuzzy, like we'll send out a social worker and that'll work and uh, mm. they'll just give them a pamphlet. You know, you shouldn't yeah. really be here. Meanwhile, like you're talking to this homeless person and they're like, you know, you know, spaghetti, spaghetti Argentina or something. They're like yeah. just yelling stuff at you. And you're like, uh, OK, so you obviously don't know what's going on. Um, and I don't know what the answer is. It's I'm funny. Conscious. She went right in for Caruso. Yeah. Well, yes. Oh, you can tell throughout the debate. She kind of doesn't love him. But yeah, I don't know what the answer is to homelessness. And I don't want to just sit here and point fingers, but. I don't know. So, so many of them missed the mark for me in this debate and even on their site. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's see how Caruso answers his first kind of poignant question from Erica. About that. So what I thank you for the question. What I said was I'm confident I can beds by the end of the year. We know we can do it. It's been done in other parts of the country and other parts of the world, and we'll use best practices to get it done. I'm the only one on stage that's a builder that actually knows how to get things built, so I'm confident I can do it. We've got a real problem on the streets. You've got drug, you've got mental illness that needs to be dealt with, and you've got people that want a second chance, and you have to triage it. You have to get people on the streets that understand mental illness and give them the help they need. You need to get on the streets that help people that are uh, addicted to drugs and give them the help they need, and you need to have training to get people back on their feet. What you can't do is say we're going to allow certain encampments to be in some parts of the city in some areas because then you'll never control it so once you have a dry bed warm food you have the medical services that they need you need to give them an option one time you can get an option maybe a second time but a third time you have to move that encampment because you have to protect the communities that are being impacted by the encampments on the sidewalks congresswoman bass i'm going to go to you next you, you've talked about this issue some too as far as using police and law to break up some of these encampments. What are your thoughts on that? Well, let me just say, first of all, that I don't believe that you should ever criminalize poverty. I would you notice how the question was, she she lines it up to be, to accuse Rick Caruso, and she's like, you've said in the past that you want to use police to break up homeless encampments. And then he gives his answer, which is a good answer. And then immediately she goes to Congresswoman Bass and goes, as if to say, look, <laughs> you believe this freaking guy what do you think about this huh like what give me your thoughts of how you can also attack rick caruso and make him look bad like that's such a weird what she went from like hot to cold really quickly in her question so yes 
that is uh, the case almost throughout. You can definitely tell. Yeah. Even if I didn't yeah, know about the black definitely... face of white supremacy, she has a bias. Yeah. So you can tell she she's and a lot of these moderators, uh, Alex is pretty good. Um, I feel like he does a lot of these debates. He's usually pretty good. He's right. He's pretty fair to everybody. Um, but her questions are very much like I'm picking who I like and I'm going to help give them layups to attack the people I don't like. So, yes, that's very. And again, no one's debate. talking about criminalizing poverty. That's just such like a catchy, like progressive way of saying things. That's not the whole issue of homelessness. It's not just a bunch of people who can't afford rent and became homeless during COVID and they just really want it. That's they're really struggling and a lot of them are out of their minds. Uh, so it's not just yeah. criminalizing poverty, but. Overall, she reminds me of just like Kamala Harris. She doesn't really say anything. She kind of says it like sassy a little bit, like it's cute. And it's just no substance. But that's just my opinion, I guess. Well, there's a lot more. So we can get more into her <laughs> no substance answers. There's a lot of no substance answers. Yes. Do that. The other thing is, is that people need housing. They need temporary housing immediately. I do think that there's just some things that you don't do on the street and sleeping is one of them. However, I don't think that you just move people from one neighborhood to another, because if that happens, what that is going to result in is people who are unhoused all being moved into lower income areas, areas that don't have the ability to fight back either legally and the LAPD is certainly not going to go into those areas. So you use street outreach workers, you work with them, but if somebody is profoundly mentally ill, they need support. So you can give them one time, you can give them two times, three times, but if they're hearing voices because they're mentally ill, they're not going to respond to that. And I certainly don't think that you arrest them. I do think the police might need to be in the background in case it's a dangerous situation, but I don't think you use the police department to arrest people who are in encampments. So she wants to based from what I'm hearing is she doesn't want to use the police, but she wants the police there. Just like to in intimidate in the things, background. Yeah. What are they going to do if I, things I, get dangerous, not arrest them? <laughs> I guess. So I guess she's like, I guess she understands that this is a dangerous situation and that maybe sending social workers is not the answer. So we'll send social workers with police officers so to answer her question, yeah. so you, you still need police to break up homeless encampments. So basically, that's what she's saying. Yes. Councilman Buscan, I want to go to you as a former LAPD officer. What are your What are your thoughts on police well, involvement? Five years ago, um, I, I encouraged my um, and tried to compel my colleagues on the city council that you need to have a no camping law that has teeth. Look at our city today, and I was right. We have been a city that has been enabling this behavior. Uh, we have been a city that's been a welcoming map for the rest of the country. Is to come to LA, pitch a tent, take drugs in, in public, and not be held accountable. And and, and my plan, I, I don't know, Congressmember Bass, you're, you're saying that it, it's criminalizing poverty. Well, I'm saying, is it criminalizing poverty to uh, connect people to services? Is it criminalizing poverty to make sure our streets and our, 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 our sidewalks are and safe of, of encampments? Is it criminalizing poverty to allow people, to allow people to sit in their infill, to sit in human waste? That's not compassionate. We, and my plan is go to saferstreets.la and you'll see the plan, is when a bed is available in the city of Los Angeles, the sidewalk should not be an option. Yeah. Yes. 
Congressman. It is not criminalizing poverty. What is criminalizing poverty is, I believe, your plan that says I'm going to give somebody three opportunities. And if after the third opportunity they don't take it, then what happens? To me, the only alternative is then they're either going to be physically moved and then they'll just be moved to another neighborhood or they'll be arrested. My point is, is that we know that close to 50% of the people who are on the streets are suffering from health conditions. And so for somebody who is mentally ill, I don't believe that that is a solution. They might not be able to respond because of their illness. Thank you, thank you, Council. I'm gonna go to Council Member Leon. Let me be every one of you that it's neither. No, no, no question for De Leon. I guess that's just an open-ended question on homelessness for De Leon. <laughs> You're right. That's a there good, was like no, mm -hmm. yeah, no, no question for De Leon. It just, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Kev, Kev, you want to throw your your two cents in here while we're at it? Well, I you guess in general, they're still on, <laughs> still on the subject of police using police. But you're right. Sometimes they give questions specifically, and then a different question to someone else specifically, and then open ended to another. I don't know. Yeah. She just kind of left it open for Kevin DeLeon, yeah. who I guess is the self-proclaimed homeless expert in L.A. now. So let's hear his response. Progressive or humane to let Angelinos live and die on the streets of Los Angeles. Uh, just last week at uh, Toriumi Plaza in our very little Tokyo, we housed 108 individuals. Now, of course, we had so-called activists trying to obstruct us from moving these folks from squalor over the head to have a shower, their own toilet, their own bathroom, a warm bed, clean clothes, as well as clean sheets and towels, and more importantly, especially for women, a locked door. There is a major difference, as I just mentioned a few moments ago, and that difference is I'm actually doing something about it already. I'm not waiting for a fancy title of mayor or my name up on the door to do something about it. Like I just said a few moments ago, I've housed more individuals than anyone has in the entire city of Los Angeles in the past year. I have built the largest tiny home village not in LA, but the entire United States of America. Nine times out of 10, unhoused individuals, they'll take the housing immediately. We have to supply the inventory to make sure we can move them from the streets into housing. Hold so on, I, I, don't, I don't believe that nine times out of 10, they'll take it. I, I tried to look that up, but I just, I have no way of corroborating that, but that just doesn't sound, sound right to me. Also, I can't take seriously anyone who says unhoused. I'm sorry. I know that's petty, but that's so L.A. to be like, let's change the language, but not do anything about it, basically. <laughs> like, they're so offended yeah. that we call them homeless when they have no home. Yeah, you are without <laughs> home. You would be homeless. Yes, but unhoused is, is nicer. I don't know. And then if someone is unhoused and they are with child, they are a pregnant person. <laughs> yes. They are they're unhoused pregnant people. So mm -hmm. as opposed to homeless pregnant women, but um, yeah, his, him and his tiny village again, that you can't seem to find you live there. So you can't <laughs> even find where his tiny village. It's so it's, it's making me think of Zoolander where he's like, is this like a, is this a tiny village for ants? Like it's so small. You can't even find it. <laughs> well, first I want to say what I said at the beginning, which is we've had some success in the city offering a choice date for people experiencing homelessness. We say we have a place for you to go. There's a date after which you cannot stay here. And that strategy typically has worked. Occasionally it doesn't. When it doesn't, in my view, we should be having the, a triage location elsewhere in Los Angeles with congregate shelter and basic services, and the person is moved there. But before I go on, Mr. Caruso, you indicated you're a builder. 
and I respect that, but I have to say, you haven't done much in the way of building homeless and affordable housing for all the opportunities you've had. Instead, you've opposed rent control, and at the same time you were building luxury housing and opposing rent control, I was standing up for tenants being illegally evicted and making sure that we were combating slum housing and working to uh, improve and expand affordable housing. Um, those are stark differences. Campaigns are about comparisons. Voters are entitled to know. So that issue of the building thing, that's a great thing to say. It's a great commercial, but action speaks louder than commercials. So uh, this is one of those things, and I don't know what beef he has with this guy. I can never pronounce this. Mike Ferreira, Ferrara, Fiora. Um, they, they've had some beef or something because they went back and forth this entire debate. And the first thing I think of, and maybe it's just the, the disgusting free market capitalist in me, says, why would he build homeless shelters? His business is building the Grove, luxury apartments. That's what his business does. Why would mm -hmm. he go out of his way to build homeless shelters, which is a whole different thing, mind you. You have to get government approvals and permits, and I'm sure there's all these hoops, and you have to right. get specialists, and you have to get the right people to administer it. It's like, it's not just throwing up luxury apartments. It's, it's a whole different thing. And mm -hmm. the profit margin on it is probably nothing because you're not making money off homeless people. You'd have to get a contract with the city to buy it or to build that. So his, his kind of this point of like, why haven't you built homeless shelters? If you're a builder, I don't know, probably because he's been a private businessman up until right now. And that wasn't in his business's best interest to build a homeless shelter. So I, why he's right. it's a it's a it's a lame attack in my opinion. It is. It's a oversimplification, which I guess I don't know. Leftists are one to do, you know, like, well, this is so simple and just to do this. And I, I don't know anything about building, but Crusoe and again, he's not like my favorite in this, but he brings up how it's really difficult to build in L.A. and there's a lot of red tra tape and that's a problem. And I don't know whether that's true or not, but it seems like it might be true. And so I, that's also a valid, you know, maybe yeah. reason or concern or whatever. Yeah, it's just not so simple. It. Yeah, it's not like he's just, you know, it's as easy to build a homeless shelter as it is. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a, easier to build a homeless shelter than luxury apartments. But I feel like it's probably easier to build luxury apartments in L.A. if you can do it and you're you're good at it because people will pay in L.A. Mm -hmm. for luxury apartments. Mm -hmm. So rather than homeless shelters, which he's not going to make a profit on anyway. But let's hear his response. Mr. Crusoe, do you want to respond? Well, I do know how to build. And I've been on the other side of the counter when I've tried to pull permits. And the city is so overregulated, there's no surprise why we don't have enough housing. But if you want to just talk about facts and problems in the city, Mike, I'm sorry that you opened the store. Your office was raided by federal agents. Your office is under investigation. And you've got a senior person in your office that's accusing you of perjury. And you're standing here criticizing me for building one of the most recognizable and admired companies in Los Angeles, if not the country. And I just don't think that's the right thing to do. Let's focus on issues. Uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Rick, I'm very glad you brought that up because- I'm sure again, you are. 
building I'm sure you are <laughs> i am because it highlights a stark difference between us in my office out of 340,000 cases that i'm responsible for and 2,000 laws that i've written about a thousand people in the course of my tenure i work by oversee there was one instance where we uncovered violations we made that information public i hired an ethics expert I published a report, and then I issued a series of reforms. Okay. In contrast to your leadership thank here, which has been thank you, city attorney, as opposed to make transparent. Yeah, thank, thank you. We're gonna we're, we're gonna move on to the move, next question. Move on to the issue. There we go. <laughs> of uh, of <laughs> crime, another big issue for a, a lot of people. Uh, is that a big issue in L.A. Crime is that uh, is it is, bad? It is. Yeah. No. <laughs> I hadn't heard. I I, I didn't know crime was bad in L.A. With one being uh, totally not safe at all, and ten being really safe, really comfortable, how safe do you feel walking on the streets? And if you don't feel safe, what's something specific that you want to see different as mayor? Listen, I, I would say a seven. That's all relative to every Angelino, depending on their zip code and the color of their skin. I'm sorry, okay, Bob. I, got, I hate yeah. you. <laughs> okay, we both. <laughs> you go first. I, I, well, overall, I, just my own opinion, but he's so annoying to me and so, I don't know, just so serious and such a sob story. But I would say more than anything, it's dependent on your sex, too. Uh, and I don't, I don't think it's relative to where you live, your zip code, because you're traveling, LA people drive. I, I, I just don't see the point of making this all about skin color and homelessness and crime is an issue in Los Angeles, no matter what your color is and your income level and all of that. So, so just deal with the problem. I, I think the way he says it comes off as, and I know he's trying to pander to, uh, you, you know, he's trying to pander on skin color and to minorities when in reality I, I think that's just it, it's it's almost insulting the way he says it because it's like just because you may be black or Hispanic and you're walking through a neighborhood, you could still be scared or not feel safe in your neighborhood. Like that has nothing. To, is he trying to say like, well, if you're Hispanic? and you're walking through a certain neighborhood, you're going to feel less or you're going to feel more secure because I like, I I'm trying to figure out like just because your skin color, you're in a certain neighborhood, you should feel safer or I don't know. It comes off to me. Like, I guess those minorities don't feel as scared because it's their communities. Like I, I took it the opposite way. That's interesting. But like, like yeah. they feel more scared because of police ostensibly or, mm. Because there's more crime, but regardless, I just don't think it's as. I, I just don't see the point of separating it by skin color if you're running for LA mayor. Yeah, I mean, if a neighborhood's dangerous, it shouldn't matter what skin color you are. It's it's a dangerous neighborhood. Like, yeah, uh, if yeah. you go through a bad neighborhood, it's a bad neighborhood. Like, I don't know. It shouldn't be like. I guess he's assuming like, or maybe he's trying to say, oh, if you're you know if you're white in the wrong neighborhood then you you're going to feel really scared because you're white and you're very mm -hmm. fragile and you're very scared um but i mean is it a bad neighborhood or is it just 
And when we're seeing these blatant smash and grabs and just in broad daylight, it has nothing to do almost with the neighborhood, which is sad. It's gotten so egregious that it happens all over. Yeah. Yeah, his his response right off the bat is like, oh, this is this one's bad. Fair share of violence. So I know what fear feels like. I think anyone can stand on this stage and ask for thousands of more police officers. And I think everyone on the stage has asked for an increase in the budget. But what they're not telling you is that if you increase the police budget to the numbers that they want, it's going to cost $1 billion over a course of five years. That doesn't include pensions or health care, nor does it include the badge or even the squad car. Before we get into increasing our police budget, we need to, we need to utilize our resources in a much more effective manner. We need to hire mental health specialists to get our LAPD officers off the mental health front lines and back on the line of duty to protect and serve. Every person deserves to be treated with professionalism, respect, and dignity. We can better utilize our resources strategically in hot spots where we have crime trends and keep all Angelinos safe. And we'll get more into the specific issue of number of cops in our next round. But uh, City Attorney Fuhr, to you, if you had to do one to ten, one being uh, not safe, ten being really safe, how safe do you feel in Los Angeles and what can be done on that issue of crime? So I personally typically feel safe, but I know because I'm going to every one of LA's 101 neighborhoods, the only American ever to do that, that people are on edge everywhere in the city from San Pedro to North Hollywood. Yeah, this is an interesting question. I just thought of it because the way as a politician to tiptoe around this is it's, it's very, it's difficult because on one hand you want to say oh i feel safe in la because la is such a great city but on the other hand you don't want to say you feel too safe because then you seem out of touch because normal los angeles are like it's it's not safe i don't know where you've been i don't know what ivory tower you're living in or what rich neighborhood you live in it's not safe in la so i think it's it's a very it's a tricky question for them to answer of like they don't want to make it sound so bad of like LA's like is a war zone and it's really bad out there, but they also don't want to, I don't know. It, it's interesting. Well, especially it everyone question, but Caruso. Caruso is the only one not currently holding public office. So if you're holding public office and you say, oh yeah, I felt super unsafe. It sort of reflects badly on you and your work and your city. Especially as, yeah, especially a city attorney, like your job is to prosecute misdemeanors and you're like, I, I don't feel safe at all. This is horrible. And I That's just, so I don't think any of the answers were genuine. They all, I think without exception said, I feel safe. And I, I don't know, I can't judge that, but I just, I don't believe that you feel safe at all hours in any part of the city. I think that's BS even for the men on the stage, so. Yeah. And how do we address that? We don't have the zero-sum game of either more police or reform, because we need to do both. I propose an increase in 500 officers to 10,000 and a series of reforms to make sure that our offices are embedded in communities that are distrustful of police for five years since, to make sure that we sever from police officers' obligations, interventions with mental health issues on the street that aren't violent, to be sure we have civilian ambassadors in our police stations, and to be sure that we de-escalate violence through training of our officers. And one more thing, Alex, we can't ask LAPD to do it alone. 
We need to complement that with neighborhood-based violence prevention intervention programs and cleaning up our communities. Just cleaning up a neighborhood has been shown can decrease gun violence by 29%. These are all parts of a comprehensive, sustainable vision Thank of safety. Uh, Mr. Um, Buscaino, as a former cop, how safe do you feel walking the street? Generally, I feel safe, but I'm not hearing that with my own family. Also, probably as a former police officer, he probably already has a, a fast track to a CCW, which he, I'm sure he likely carries. Um, yeah. So I'm sure he feels real safe. As if, if everyone could probably carry in L.A., that might be. Yes, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but again, going on their websites, so many of these people, DeLeon is very against pro-red flag laws against the NRA, mm. crackdown on 80% rifles, which are, in his opinion, um, weapons of mass destruction or weapons of war, excuse me. That's Caruso's website, actually. So Caruso and Dillion both have things on their website about how we need to crack down on guns, uh, not necessarily just illegally acquired guns, which is interesting because they're talking about combating crime and making the average Angelino feel safer. Um, so just something to research on your own, everybody, I guess, if you're really interested in making an informed decision. He, uh, Kevin, De Leon is uh, one of the, his quote keeps popping up from different organizations. Uh, when I think he was an assemblyman, he was talking about how he was describing an AR-15 and he was talking about that there is, I think this is the correct quote, someone would have to correct me, but it's something about there's a special button on the side of the AR-15 that uh, basically allows it to become fully automatic, which is not true at all. Like you can't just push a button on an AR-15 and make it fully automatic. And then he said it, it shoots out something like 300 rounds. And it's like, he got so much wrong about the gun he's trying to legislate out of existence. And you look at this stuff and you go, these are the people who make the law, the gun control laws. They don't know anything he about. He proudly a gun. says on his website that he created the strong, he wrote the strongest package of gun control laws in California history. And again, like I'm just learning about guns. I've never shot a long gun, but I'll just remind everyone that like criminals don't abide by gun legislation no. because they're criminals. So this is just for the average Angelino. Again, it's very difficult to get a CCW here. The average single woman walking alone in Los Angeles, this, this, that's the only person, the only people this affects, not the criminals. So keep that in mind when you're voting, I guess. I don't know. Family members with my friends, um, today, you see mayhem and chaos in the city of Los Angeles. We haven't seen these homicide numbers in a 15-year period. Everything hinges on public safety. I voted to defund, voted not, I voted against defunding <laughs> LAPD. And let me say this. Oh, made some news there. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I voted against it, because I, I expect to see, and I told my colleagues this, when we take resources away from LAPD, expect to see a spike in crime. In fact, one of my first actions as mayor, 
is going to be to refund the LAPD $150 million. And I'm hearing from residents all across the city. I hear from Sam, Des, Stephen, and Los Feliz. They are afraid because you have a they were dealing with a dangerous encampment with a known local gang taking over their streets. I've heard from the Melrose Avenue businesses where it was the epicenter of the smashing grabs. Then you have an out-of-touch district attorney who's not prosecuting crimes. Yeah, and we'll talk more about him a little bit later, too. But let's Can't get wait. to uh, <laughs> Mr. Caruso now. How safe do you feel walking the streets of L.A.? And what's the most important thing that can be done in terms of safety? I think we all agree we have a problem in the city with crime. Homicides are up 50 percent since 2019. Vehicle thefts are up 50 percent since 2019. Shootings are up almost 50 percent since 2019. Here's the difference between everybody on the stage and me. I inherited a mess after Rodney King beating. I was asked to be the president of the police commission. I inherited a department. I reformed it. It was under a federal consent decree. Got it removed by reforming the department. I changed leadership, went out for the best and the brightest, brought in Bill Bratton. We reversed the course of LAPD. And then what did I do next? I hired 800 officers. And then what do we do next? Community policing, senior lead officers. Officers were on the street. They knew the neighbors. They knew the storekeepers. There was trust. You have to have trust. And then what happened? 30% reduction of crime. I've done it before. I'll do it again because I know how to do it. Congresswoman, do you feel safe walking in? I do feel safe. I would say at 10. I feel safe, but I do. I feel really safe with my uh, Secret Service and my bodyguards and my bulletproof SUV that I ride in as a federal congresswoman. I feel great. I don't I don't. I don't know what people are talking about. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Don't understand what people are talking about. I am befuddled that people don't feel safe in LA. Excellent answer. <laughs> Makes you really seem like you're in touch with with normal Angelinos. You understand that a lot of people around the city do not feel safe and I respect that and we have to address that. And when there is a spike in and we have to hold people accountable. On the other hand, I want to address the crimes of today, but I want to prevent the crimes of the future. And we can do that by investing in communities. In 1990, at the height of the crack cocaine epidemic and gang violence, we had a thousand homicides in South LA at the time. I went to that crisis. I went right in the middle of South Central. I started an organization to figure out how do you organize the community to address crime? How do you prevent crime? And some of the projects and programs that we came up with years later have been replicated, they've been research-based, and so while I want to suppress the crime of today, I want to very seriously invest in prevention in the future, and in my office, I want to have an office of community safety so we can prevent the crimes of the future and make the investments in communities that will do that. Thank you, Congressman. Of course, she's referencing the Community Coalition in South. Yes, I am. Uh, Eric. I thought the, the premise of Minority Report is that you arrested people based on future crimes. Was that... <laughs> am I... I, I, am I, I feel like there's a movie sounds, based on yeah. And that's the part where I, she I really reminded me. Where... Oh, go ahead. No, you finish. You go ahead. No, I just heard prevent the crimes of the future. She said it like four times. It's like, we get it. Okay, what are you, what are you saying though? That's the part where I was like, okay, Kamala, you're just saying words and repeating them. Like, like the passage of time. Yes. And time is passing. And the passage of time. Yeah. 
and Ukraine is a small country and Russia is <laughs> a very big country. Yes, so sticking with policing and public safety, um, some of you just mentioned about increasing the size of the Los Angeles Police Department. Um, I wanted to dig a little bit into that, um, specifically the numbers that have been cited. City Attorney Fuhrer, you mentioned that you want to take the force to around 10,000. Is there a reason why that particular number makes sense? Yeah, so at 10,000, the city was experiencing a good level of safety. The numbers have been declining. As a consequence, the police don't have the resources to respond to hotspots the way they should. As I go around the community, response times in general are way down. That needs to change. And again, I think we need to be looking at expanding the police force and at the same time reforming it. We could be doing both things. In communities throughout the city, I'm hearing we want candidates not to the left, to the right, but right in that heart of where common ground is. And that's common ground territory. As I mentioned, the police department can't do it all by itself. I began to delineate other elements of my public safety plan, including cleaning up communities, having teams that respond comprehensively across departmental lines when a park isn't safe, for example, neighborhood after-school programs, job training programs. These are all elements of what it means to be a safe city. And I want our police force to be diverse, and I want to have more college graduates in it, which tends to de-escalate issues of violence. Thank you, City Attorney. And to you, Mr. Caruso, you also want to increase the size of the force, but to a larger size. What is behind that number, and how would you propose paying for such a massive expansion of the city payroll? So right now we have some... As of, again, very poignant question from Erica to Rick Caruso. Okay. Uh, you want to really increase it to a large... She doesn't say the number. She just says you want to increase it to a very large number. And it's going to cost a lot of money. How do you mm -hmm. plan on doing that? So just I an, another up. observation. Yeah, you're right. He wants to increase it by around 1500 according to his website. How much was it? You, you cut out for a second. Uh, by 1500 police. Oh, okay. Some of the worst crime we've had in the history of Los Angeles. And at the same time, we have some of the worst, most violent crime. We're 500 officers short, thanks to our career politicians, right? So you're going in different directions and the arrest rate is down 25%, which means officers are not engaging. You have to change morale. You have to do the reforms. You have to re-engage the community. City of Los Angeles has a budget of $11 billion. I guarantee you, I'm used to managing budgets. I'm an executive, I'm a manager. That's the difference between me and other people that are running for office. The money is there to support the additional officers. And I also stand with our president, Joe Biden, who said, Let's fund Ugh. the police. There will be adequate funding coming out of the federal government, adequate funding coming out of the state government. There are more resources in terms of funds in the United States today than any time in history. Except for the rising inflation and the amount of money that we have to print because we don't have money and we're 30 trillion or so dollars in debt. But yeah, we have more resources than we know yeah. what to do with. Just and that's throw the more biggest thing. I don't understand how any of these people are going to pay for any of this stuff. And I just don't trust any of them. I mean, that's usually a good idea. Don't <laughs> trust any of these people on the on the stage. Never trust any politicians, really. Yeah. Um, but you can't put a dollar value on saving a life. I'm talking to families at St. Lawrence down in Watts. They're scared to have their kids go outside. Thank that's just not right. Thank you. Uh, Councilman De Leon, you just talked about increasing the size, not increasing the size of the force, but talking about mental health workers. How would that work uh, 
just what some of the other candidates have proposed. Let me say to quote uh, President Joe Biden, that's a bunch of malarkey. A bunch of malarkey. Let's be very clear about that. Because if you're going to increase the budget for the LAPD, what they're not telling you is you have to raise taxes, a billion dollars over the course of five years. Let me underscore. That does not include pensions or health care, your badge, your weapon, your uniform, your belt, not even a squad car. Why is he standing like that? That's $2 billion of a course of 10 years. So you either have to raise taxes on everyday Angelinos who have suffered greatly from the coronavirus pandemic, or you're going to have to cut to the bone when we talk about needed services for Angelinos, such as Meals on Wheels for senior citizens, after-school programs for children, as well as parks for every Angelino. That's the bottom line. You can't have it both ways. And I think what we need to do is we need to better utilize the resources that we have. We're budgeted for 9,706 officers. Through attrition, retirement, we can restore that budget or we can restore those officers today. Thank you. Okay, hold on. I, I appreciate that he brings up the cost and raising taxes to do it. That's probably honest. But also, I don't think the average Angelino cares about parks for every Angelino and after-school mm. programs above crime. I just I think that's yeah. his own political feeling and agenda, and it's just not very in touch with. And the reality might be we can't afford it or whatever it is. I don't. Again, I don't know the answer. It's not my job. But also, that's just not like number one on the list. Meals on Wheels. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I hinted at this before that it's it, it's interesting listening to these candidates because they all sound like two years ago. This sounds like stuff Republicans were saying. You know, and and a lot of it is like if you were in 2020, if you could look into the future and see that the L.A. mayoral race would be talking about things like uh, how do we clean up the homeless? Uh, mm -hmm. How do we increase funding for the police? How do we hire more police? How do we stop crime? Uh, Kevin DeLeon saying, oh, we can't raise taxes. God forbid we don't want to raise taxes. You'd be like, that's like the world way the LA mayor race is going to have people talking like this but that's what they're talking like and yeah. it seems like that's that's the general feeling of all the candidates and maybe that's what the polling says is talk about this stuff and talk about it in a moderate way I, I read an article about um, how this could be a lot of Angelinos sort of envious of Orange County and they kind of want more of that orange county stability and safety and they want some of that kind of like common sense coming up to los angeles mm -hmm. um so it's 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 definitely interesting to see because you listen to these these politicians and you're like that's not the party line from two years ago of well it's polling some of them have other issues on their sites but they all some of them only have these two issues homelessness and crime all of them touch on that and some of them that's all they talk about on their sites. so they know we're concerned about homelessness and crime. I don't know if they are, no, <laughs> but they know we are. Yeah, so that's what they're pandering to. And I'm sure yeah. that the moderators know that too. I'm sure they looked at the polling and saw what was important mm -hmm. and made the questions. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and this girl with her, her mask on still sitting <laughs> looking at everybody. I want to uh, jump ahead a little bit because uh, I want to get to your favorite topic, uh, COVID, because they, they jump back in to talk about COVID. Um, so let's let's hop ahead to their talk about COVID and see how they respond or what their 
because I think they're they're different. They, they have different answers, and it's definitely more marketed than up until this point. It was basically they're all kind of like on the same page of like, ah, we we need to clean up homelessness, and yeah, we need to increase crime or police so that we can fight crime. But COVID seems a little bit. They're all a little bit more different. So, all right, there's some news. Okay, uh, now let's see if we can make some news on the issue of of COVID. <laughs> Yes, let's, uh, let's talk briefly about COVID. So obviously LA is coming out of the worst of the pandemic. Businesses have reopened. We've gotten rid of our mask mandates. We're able to talk, um, you know, but we've seen cases spiking in other parts of the world, in, in Europe and Asia, and there's some concern that there could be a surge here. And there's still vulnerability here in LA given the disparities in vaccination and hospitalization rates. So if we do see another surge, would you support a return to more stricter rules? And I'm gonna just go right to left. So attorney Fear. Thank you very much, Erica. So the answer is, if we see a surge, we're gonna to have to listen to the public health experts advice, which I've been doing throughout this whole process. I'm very proud there's been no public law office in the nation as impactful as ours and going after price gouging and fake test kits and cures and preventions and defending the city's vaccination mandate, which I strongly supported in the teeth of the pandemic. If the health experts say we need to go back to tougher restrictions, we will do it if that means avoiding shutting down our economy and closing our schools and requiring masks on kids because we okay, need to- but boss. I can't, I can't take anybody seriously on this stage who says we might have to go back to restrictions if the public health experts say so, and then claim to care about housing affordability, unemployment, homelessness, anything. You, you don't care about that at all. You don't care about equity. You don't care about equality uh, because going back to restrictions affects all of those things. And who mm -hmm. are the public health experts other than Barbara Frere? For every public health expert, we all know, obviously your audience knows, who says we need to go back to restrictions. There's another one who says, no, we don't. And LA was in restrictions longer than anybody. And he is now claiming that we might have to go back to restrictions in order to avoid shutting down our economy and avoid putting masks on children and shutting down schools. We did all those things longer than anybody else. And we still had more restrictions than anybody else. So it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I just, I, this is for me, I'm biased. This is like a single uh, deal breaker issue for me. I can't support any candidate who doesn't say, and I don't know how much say the mayor has in this, honestly, standing up to the governor, but you, you don't care about any of this stuff because you're making all of those problems you just mentioned worse by shutting down businesses and imposing vax mandates. Well said. <laughs> prevent the worst from happening if we've learned nothing i can see i uh, it's funny i'm watching you like they're talking about covid i can feel like you're that's why i want to make sure we got to this topic because i was like i know she's going to want to talk about covid because i, I wouldn't be here debate. if it weren't for covid i would not have been become a conservative or a republican or whatever i am if it were not for covid this is a huge huge thing in the country and especially in los angeles and it's changing people's lives and it changed mine so here we are <laughs> yes. This pandemic, there was a discussion in the LA Times about the fact that there was confusion in City Hall about who was in charge. We have to be training people now for the next pandemic as though we were training for an earthquake or other disaster. We have to be assured that there are concrete rules that are clear for our businesses. I did town halls with small businesses, uncertain what the rules were. They need clarity and certainty. These are all lessons we've learned from the pandemic. And as mayor, I'm going to put those lessons in place. Thank you. Mr. <clears throat> 
Is the question a mandate or is, is that what, I'm sorry. Would we basically, would you, if there is a surge, would you returning to stricter restrictions, both for businesses and schools and? Fair enough, thank you for clarifying that. I have a company that was in the middle of a bullseye in the pandemic. Everything I owned was shut, day one. No view, no visibility to how long we were gonna be shut. We had hundreds of employees, hundreds of retailers, hundreds of tenants, hundreds of restaurants. What did we do? We made sure that everybody got over the bridge together. We did not lose one small business on our property. It was a shared responsibility. That's the way I look at COVID, a shared responsibility. <clears throat> if the health experts say we need to have more restrictions, we should. You need to follow the advice of the experts. But I think government has two critical jobs. One is to protect people's lives. The second is to protect your livelihood. I think we did a very poor job in this county protecting livelihoods. 90% of the businesses in LA City are small businesses. When you made them close, you took the ability of people to make money to put food on the table or pay their rent. We have to be very careful on how Okay, we hold on, pause. He's not wrong about, well, first of all, I don't think it's the government's job to protect your livelihood. I don't think that's the government's job. You should step out of the way if you want to protect people's livelihoods. But that's what I've been saying since the beginning is that livelihoods are lives. You can't separate the two um, in our modern day society because you can't survive mm -hmm. without it. But and I know a debate is limited in what you can say, but he doesn't go into specifics. He just says, trust the health experts, just like throwing that out to appease that side of things, but doesn't go into specifics of how do you protect livelihoods if you're trusting the health experts, which we've proven in Los Angeles are idiots. Sorry. And and it's not on his site either. And and really no one other than Fairer has anything on their site about COVID. And I, I, I understand homelessness and crime are the two, or Gascon, I guess, was the second major issue when they were pulled, but that ties into crime. But I would say COVID is like a very close third uh, for mm -hmm. Angelinos because we've been hit so hard. And I think you need to talk about what you would do if, and in fact, in my opinion, when Fauci and Newsom and everybody else says there's another surge and we have to shut down again. I think that is important for this race. And none of them are doing that, in my opinion, other than maybe one, which we'll get to in a sec, I guess. Yeah, it, it's the one thing that it's contradictory to say, I would trust the health experts. And if they say we have to do these things, I would do them. Mm -hmm. But also, I want to protect people's livelihoods, mm -hmm. which we saw from the past two years. The health experts don't really care about livelihoods, in, especially in L.A. County or in L.A. They did not care about livelihoods. So yeah. I wouldn't put all my faith in the health experts. If they say jump, you don't say how high you say, OK, that's your opinion. Now I have to take it into yeah. consideration in the real world. Yeah. That's that would be a better answer to say I'll listen mm -hmm. to them, but it doesn't mean I'm going to just follow them blindly, which they all seem to feel like they can't. It, it, it's almost like blasphemy to like or heresy to say I I would listen to them, but I would take it into consideration. Like you can't question the experts when it comes to the left. They're like, you can't question it. Yeah, they're all it's afraid like, to say know, it. Talking. Yeah. I mean, maybe they, yeah, all, they really wouldn't question, but the, I they all feel like they have to say that. Oh, we have to follow the public health experts. Well, yeah, we did. And here we you are. Always so. have to. Yeah. Exactly. You can take their opinion, but it doesn't mean you have to follow it to a T. So, on to Thank the you. pandemic. Thank you, Congresswoman. 
So when, when the uh, crisis hit, I was chairing the Congressional Black Caucus. And one thing I've done in my life is built coalitions and collaborations. So I pulled together the Black Caucus, Latino, Asian Pacific Islander, Native American Caucus, and we fought for and won billions of dollars to deal with the disproportionate way COVID was impacting our communities. And we sent millions of dollars to Los Angeles, hundreds of millions, as a matter of fact, LA would have been in a fiscal crisis without that money. And that money also paid for some of the tiny homes, home key, room key, et cetera. I would follow the science, first of all. But I follow do think the science. If we continue now mm-hmm. to really focus on vaccinations in communities where it's disproportionately low, the next time we have a variant, and by the way, we do have a variant right now. It's a question as to how big it's going to be. The next time, people, it will not impact folks the same way, and so we probably won't have to do it. Now, in Congress, I also focus on foreign affairs, so we are focusing on getting millions, millions of vaccines around the world. Until the world is vaccinated, we're going to continue to have variants. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Separating all of my feelings about the vaccine, I cannot vote for someone who cannot follow science and actually read. This woman acts mm-hmm. like she hasn't watched CNN lately, doesn't know that the vaccine doesn't stop transmission, especially for Omicron or seemingly any new variant. It gets weaker and weaker against transmission. I I, I just, I, even if I loved the vaccine, had taken it, believed everyone should take it, I don't trust you if you cannot just pick up a newspaper or like log online. That she's, she's crazy. In my notes, I just wrote, she's an idiot. I mean, she's like, from May of 2020, I'm talking about disproportionately impacted communities. We were all impacted in LA and in California. It had nothing to do with your skin color. Uh, that's part of the problem here is that we're focusing on that. And there's nobody, nobody in Los Angeles who cannot access a freaking vaccine if they want it. So acting like it's, oh, disproportionate communities don't don't have the vaccine, like that's our problem and you just need to educate them. That's racist on both sides. And it's, it's absurd. Some people don't want the vaccine. So what are you going to do about it? And there is no science behind this is why we have new variants because people aren't vaccinated. I just, I can't take this woman seriously. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, when she's, yeah, when she says, oh, well, we'll continue to have variants until everyone's vaccinated. Isn't the reason we have variants because everyone gets vaccinated and then it's <laughs> the virus is mutating and creating more variants like and it's also going to create more variants regardless. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's impossible. um, We can't vaccinate everyone at the same time unless we're talking about forcibly doing it. And obviously that would pertain to the entire world. We did not forcibly vaccinate the entire world at exactly the same time. So here we are and COVID's never going away. And you're running for mayor of Los Angeles. So stop talking about vaccinating the world like you're a moron. I'm sorry. Yeah. And her whole little tirade about, oh, I brought hundreds of millions back. The first thing I thought was Boy, she brought the pork home. That's for sure. <laughs> she made sure hundreds of millions you know, flooded into the L.A. city coffers. And mm-hmm. so uh, great. Uh, it's good to know that you brought the pork home. Um, thanks for letting us know. The story of COVID-19 in Los Angeles is a tale of two cities. In one L.A., the poor got poor and the middle class got smaller. And the other L.A., the rich actually got richer. Expendable essential workers treated like expendable workers, frontline workers relegated to the back of the line for life-saving vaccinations and PPE equipment. I'm not waiting to lead on this issue because I've already introduced legislation 
that will create a public health department for the city of Los Angeles. And I'll also invest historic amount of dollars so we can educate every Angelino in every language to make sure they are prepared for the next global pandemic and variant, because it is going to happen. Let me underscore and emphasize the following. My district at the height of the pandemic was ground zero, where we had the highest infection as well as mortality rate. Families were devastated. There will be another pandemic, be rest assured, but we have to be prepared for it. And that's why I'm gonna create a public health department so we can cut through all the bureaucratic BS at the county and state level Thank and make sure we get the federal Thank dollars directly to the city. Isn't there already a public health department of LA city or am I, is there no public health department? <laughs> well, there's one for the county. And so their issue, and I don't know whether they're right or wrong on this. I don't understand whether it would be a good thing or bad thing for people who are of our way of thinking. Um, but we share the department with like 70 other cities. And we're so big that they argue we would need our own. And I think, in fact, uh, Bass says at the end, she's not a, she gets asked a specific question about it towards her for some reason. And she says she's not opposed to it, but it would take like 10 years to make. I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, but most of the candidates on the stage support trying to make one um, ASAP for just the city. Mm. Yeah. More bureaucracy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Well, first, I'm proud of what we've done in my district in response to, to COVID-19. Look at us. We're together again. We don't have masks on. This emergency is over enough with these emergency orders. In fact, the last three months in the city of Los Angeles, in front of council, I voted against continuing the emergency orders. Look, we know what to do. We know what not to do. Vaccines are universal access to vaccines today. We also have universal access to testing. Look at our traffic. We're back at work. I, one of my first things I don't know if that's a good thing there, to brag about, um, but after Alex, we um, refund the LAPD $150 million. <laughs> I'm going to end the employee vaccine mandates. We are losing our police officers and firefighters to neighboring agencies. And at the same time, we're seeing spike in fires and a spike in, in crime. We have to end the employee vaccine mandate in the city of Los Angeles. Okay, I, I'll try to get you in on that later. I Hold on, that. pause. Karen Bass is shaking her head, and they never get back to it, and I'm disappointed on that. But she clearly is for the vaccine mandate, which is ironic, because on her website, she says she wants to add more forces to the police force. But that's sort of difficult to do, because you're making it more difficult to become a cop right now. And the reality mm. is, all these people have to deal with, they talk about diversity, diversity of Los Angeles, part of it is some people do not want or cannot take the vaccine. So how are you going to deal with that? Not with vaccine mandates. I just like to point out girl in the mask. Uh, <laughs> she's riled up about that last answer. She's talking to her friend. She's like, can you believe he wants to get rid of the employee mask mandate? <laughs> and the girl, they actually, she probably doesn't even know this girl. This girl's just like, mm, okay, okay. I can't hear you through the mask. Right, thanks. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> I'm going to ask a, a, a different kind of question now, because not only are people here trying to understand your policies, I think people are trying to get a grasp on who you are, uh, because this is such an important job, and a lot of it is trying to understand your character and your values. So, Mr. Caruso, I, I want to start with you. Name 
a member of your family that oh, shaped your values. Okay. That was it for the COVID. Um, yeah. All right. I wanted to wrap up because I want to get your input as an Angelino. There's a lot more. If you want to subject yourself, anyone who's listening, <laughs> you can go find this. They have a whole bunch of videos of it. Um, if you want to subject yourself to the whole hour and a half, I would, I would highly recommend it. If you live in Los Angeles, definitely tune into this. Um, but these were sort of the highlights of this whole debate. Uh, what was your takeaway? And um, is there anybody as an Angelino who kind of stands out to you specifically that you'd be like, I would support that person for the next mayor? Um, my takeaway is that I really w need to move. <laughs> none of watching this, <laughs> none okay. of it was really gave me a lot of of a heart and I, I hate to be that cynical. I mean, just the fact that they're all Democrats, which I guess is to be expected. Um, and again, I'm biased because COVID is like a deal breaker issue for me. And I thought they were all lacking on that. Buscaino is, is the only one who sort of, you know, speaks to me in, in any way. I think his answers are clear and make sense to me and he's not afraid to say it, but, um, I don't think he has a chance at all and I wouldn't necessarily be thrilled with him. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I think this is more of the same BS and I, I hate to end it on that note because that's so not helpful and I want people to go out and vote and all that, but just watching this, I don't see how anything's going to change in LA and uh, I know a debate is limited, like I said, but I did do my due diligence and go to their websites. And again, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled. So I'm not really sure. So moral of the story to anyone watching or listening, if you live in Los Angeles, get out now. That's the moral of the story. It's not going to get better. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was surprising uh, how, like I said before, I was surprised at how moderate they all came off. Like as I was listening to it, I expected a lot, especially LA, which is a, fairly i would say fairly woke city um it's not san francisco by any means but even san francisco i think is starting to get fed up with a lot of the woke stuff and they want common sense kitchen table politics back mm -hmm. in their cities they want safe streets and they want to be able to go to the park with their kids and their 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 dogs and whatever or their uh, therapy lizards or whatever they go to the park with in san francisco um and they just want to live normal lives. And it, it was definitely interesting to me to watch this whole thing and see how moderate they all came off. And again, I don't know if, if they get elected. I would say maybe out of all of them, I could imagine Caruso and Buscaino staying moderate, especially mm -hmm. since Caruso was a Republican at one point. Buscaino seems like a pretty blue dog Democrat. Uh, he's a former police officer. I wouldn't trust Karen Bass or Kevin DeLeon to not just go far left the minute they get into office and just be complete woke politicians. Mike Fuhr, I don't think he'd be very effective at all, so I'm not even worried about him. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting. And I think, oh, wait, there's another guy. There's a guy over here. He's wearing a mask, too. Ah, a yes, brand new blue mask. Him. He's wearing a fresh blue mask. Um, I just realized that the girl might be a guy too, because in this screenshot, she kind of looks like a guy. It but does it's kinda, It looks like a surfer, bro. Oh, who knows? Could be a surfer, bro. Yeah. Showing up like, dude, 
I want to check out the mayoral debate. Let's go, bro. Um, yeah, so I was surprised at how uh, how moderate they all came off. And it is interesting that they are talking about stuff like we want to fund the police and we want to put more cops on the street. And there was not one talk about Black Lives Matter or any of the cultural stuff. That's for sure. And, and mm-hmm. it was all pretty straightforward. It was a lot of kitchen table politics. There wasn't one mention of like trans issues or I don't know. It, it was it was lacking of woke politics and especially for Erica, who is the author of the black face of white supremacy. I was surprised that she didn't inject more woke politics into it. And yeah, it's surprising for me for LA and I I'll be, I mean, I'm keeping my eye on LA because I think it could be an indicator of maybe stuff to come in California. If people are starting to move back towards the middle, but I won't hold my breath in places like LA. I think in other places you have a better chance of moving back towards the middle. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, that makes sense. I think maybe you're more hopeful than me. I, I thought it was too woke. <laughs> I was you rolling was my eyes. Woke. I was rolling my eyes left and right. Honestly, I thought it was. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I I'm think Kevin DeLeon. The other side. Kevin. DeLeon, yeah, I think Kevin DeLeon was. I, I think if we were handing out awards, he definitely gets award for the the most woke politician on the stage, mm-hmm. because everything started off with you know, as the son of immigrant parents and black, brown, Asian communities. And he always had to go into like every answer was prefaced with like something about minority community. So he was the most woke out of all of them. I think Karen Bass was, I think she's trying to walk back a lot of her issues of support for communist leaders. And she's been far left in the past. So I don't, and Caruso, we didn't get to any of his zingers, but he had some pretty good zingers. I liked his zingers. So, yeah. Yeah. And I want to be clear that, like, I understand race is an issue and all of that. I'm not saying it's not, but I just don't think it should be at the forefront of a mayoral debate, let alone a race. Um, because there's people like me who get left out of just. You know, I think it was Fear who brings up later in the debate that the average median income for a white family in Los Angeles, or not income, but wealth, is apparently $350,000. And the average median wealth for a black family is apparently $4,000. I don't know whether that's true. That's a problem if it is true. But it just doesn't speak to the actual, like, average Angelino. And it just makes you kind of cringe a little bit to hear all this talk about diversity and uh, you know, we need to make affordable housing, but then we're going to do a vax mandate again, maybe. And then white families are this, it just, just speak to the issues is, is my opinion. I wouldn't be sitting here if, if these people ever did, but they don't. Uh, they also asked them at the end, they all asked them like one, like rapid fire, like silly question. We're going to be silly now. We're going to have some fun. They asked him at the end, like a rapid one fire question. And they asked Mike for who was his favorite athlete. And he said, Mike Trout. And I was like, Mike Trout doesn't play for an LA team. He plays for the Anaheim angels. Oh, okay. I don't think people, I don't mean, cause they call it's the funny thing is if you're a baseball fan, they call them the Los Angeles angels, even though they play in Anaheim. Oh, they, I didn't know that. Right Not when I was a kid, from- when I was a kid, they were the Anaheim angels. Yeah, now they're back. They they've gone from like 
Angels to the Anaheim Angels to the okay. Los Angeles Angels. So that I don't know why they're called the Los Angeles Angels. They're not in LA. They're the Anaheim Angels. Um, but there was a whole bunch of rapid fire questions that were kind of silly at the end. Like Buscay, you know, they asked him, where would you go on your, if you took a tourist from out of town, it's their first time in LA. And he said the San Pedro fish market. And I was like, <laughs> really? That's out of all the places in LA, you'd take them to a fish market. <laughs> okay. I, I, whatever. Um, but it was, it was something. So I, I'm glad. Thank you everyone for, uh, tuning in to listen to us talk about the LA mayor race. Um, if there's any more debates, we like to tune into them. I'm sure there'll be gubernatorial debates down the line. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll cover those as well. So thank you, Natalie, for coming on and providing your, your unique perspective from behind enemy lines, as I like to say in Los Angeles, as always, because I mean, I don't know what it's like in San Diego. We're free. We got sunshine. <laughs> There's no mass. Nobody's worried about vaccine mandates down here. It's, it's a whole different world down here in San Diego, mm-hmm. just a mm-hmm. short 100 miles away from you. Well, my assembly member just uh, voted Barbara Freire Woman of the Year. So, <laughs> oh, I don't know for what. Excellent. I guess for LA or our district. I don't know. But that's how out of touch we are here. So. They actually I'm just have glad an award. A woman, for, I was yeah, I was gonna say they actually have an award for a woman of the year. That seems yeah. kind of like <laughs> that doesn't seem very sensitive to those who identify as woman. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> uh, LA. But um, yeah, thank you for coming on again and to everyone listening or watching. If you like this show, as always, make sure you share, like, review, subscribe, all that stuff that helps the podcast grow and let people know that we're what we're talking about and uh hopefully we'll be back to normal next week with the thursday 8 p.m it's a crazy week and i gotta get running to a political event that's about an hour away with traffic here in san diego county so thank you again natalie and enjoy your weekend thank you and everyone else have a great night later Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 